1: Whenever you're tempted to sin, whatever you're tempted to do, that Satan is trying to do the same thing to you that he was doing to Jesus, he's trying to ruin your mission that God has for you here on this earth, and that he's also trying to break your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And the best antidote you have is the Word of God.
0: Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles, and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message.
1: I want you to look at your text, and we're going to go through this story in Luke chapter 4. We're going to see where Jesus himself faced temptation. If I were to ask you how many of you have ever been tempted, you would all raise your hand. Jesus was tempted himself. And we're going to see how he was tempted, how he overcame temptation, but think about that. If he had yielded. If he had done what you had done, what I have done many times, if he had yielded to that temptation and had actually sinned, there would be no forgiveness of sins today and there would be no salvation available to anyone here today. So we need to see how did he overcome such temptation. I want you to look at the very first verse of chapter 4 in your Bibles and tell me what is the first word of that entire chapter. What's the first word? Say it again. Jesus. Oh, that's the name above every other name. Say it again. Jesus. I love studying a text that the very first word is Jesus. And it says in verse 1 that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he had just returned from Las Vegas. Is that what that says? What does it say? Oh, he had just come back from the Jordan. Now, what had he done at the Jordan? He had just been baptized, okay? And it's very important as we go through this text to note that immediately after he did what he was supposed to do where he was baptized, immediately he faced temptation. And you need to know that that same is true for you. How often have you said, I'm going to live for God and do the right thing, and immediately you immediately face some type of temptation. Because uh, the the devil is after you just like he's after Jesus. And you're going to see that as we go through this text. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit... He had just returned from being baptized at the River Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit. Don't forget that truth because that's important. He was led by the Spirit of God to go to the desert. Wherefore, verse 2 for 40 days. Everybody say 40. 40 is an important number in Scripture. Anytime you see the number 40, 40 is considered a long period of time. It's not two or three or four or five or six or seven. Forty is considered a long period of time after which something new is about to begin. For example, the, the, the Israelites wandered around the desert for 40 years after which something new is about to happen. What happened to them that was new after they'd been wandering around for 40 years? Well, they, they went into the promised land, the land of, of flowing with milk and honey. Jesus was not in the desert for 40 years. He was only there for 40 days. But the number is significant because at the end of 40, there's always something new just around the corner. What was new for Jesus right around the corner was that he was about to begin his ministry. Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was 30 years of age. And so he's baptized in the River Jordan. He's led by the Spirit into this desert where he's there for 40 days. And right after this, he's going to begin his earthly ministry. This is an important time. Look at verse 2, where for 40 days... He was tempted by the, who tempted him? The devil. And he says he ate nothing. This was a 40-day fast during those days. And at the end of them, he was what? How many of you would be hungry if you were, hadn't eaten for 40? Some of you are hungry right now and you had breakfast. <laughs> the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone, To become what? I have a stone right here. It's a real stone. It's heavy. Remember, Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. He's out in the desert. He's hungry. And the devil comes up and says, So, you say you're the Son of God? Why don't you turn this stone into a loaf of wonder bread? Have you ever had wonder bread? (laughs) This stuff tastes like cotton candy. I think that's what it is, cotton candy. But anyway, he said, so you say you're the son of God. You're hungry. There's no one out here. Why don't you take that stone and turn it into a loaf of bread? Here's temptation number one. Write it down. Hey, why don't you have something to eat? There's nothing wrong with that. You ever notice that sometimes when Satan tempts you, it's really not that big a deal? yeah, hey, who's watching? Who's watching? Just just one, one stone. Just just have something to eat. It doesn't seem like that big a deal up front, but it's a very big deal. Don't forget in the first verse, who was it that led Jesus out to that desert? The Spirit of God led him out there. And it was a test to see if Jesus would fully trust in God, his Father. That's test number one in the temptation. Would he rely on the flesh or would he rely on God the Father? For if he turns the stone into bread, we then know that he will use his power to feed his flesh. And praise God, everybody say praise God. God. Verse four, he withstands the temptation. And he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And what Jesus was saying there, and I want you to write this down, he knew that spiritual nourishment is always more important than physical nourishment. See, he knows if he does this, that people are going to follow him and all they're going to want is physical food. But he knows that physical food is never as important as spiritual food. You think that physical food is so valuable. It is. It sustains you for a few days. But spiritual food lasts a lifetime. And Jesus knows that the spiritual is more important than the physical. Then we come to temptation number two. Look at verse five. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant. Everybody say instant. Isn't that the way the devil works? You're trying to do the right thing, man. You think everything's going great, and all of a sudden, in an instant, he throws something right in front of you. Oh, oh, oh. oh, he's tempting you. That's the way he works. He does it to you. He did it to Jesus. Look at that verse again. It says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant. All, say the word all. All the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you, I'll give all this to you. I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Look at verse 7. So if you worship me, it will all be what? The second temptation, write this down, as you will be given authority over all kingdoms. I have a silver platter up here. It's like Satan comes up to Jesus and says, hey, Got the kingdoms of the world. Thus to Jesus, it's all yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. It's all yours. It's yours. It's yours. You can have it. Just bow down and worship me. It's very interesting if you'd read, in fact, if you take your Bible and go back, go back to chapter 2, verse 1. As far as kingdoms and authorities, this, if you'd read Luke 1, Luke 2, and Luke 3, you'd know that the power at that time was in the hands of Rome. Rome has all authority. Look at Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. When you read through the Gospels, you need to remember that the Romans were in charge. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch, Rome, is in charge. So go to chapter 4. Who was in charge at that time? Who was the power? Who had the strength? Who had authority? Who had the influence? The Roman Empire. They're the ones in charge satan comes up with a silver platter what he's doing satan is behind the scenes he's pulling all the strings i believe that's exactly what satan did when he used the roman empire and that puppet that puppet king herod in matthew 2 16 to issue a decree that all the male children two years and under should be slaughtered in the vicinity of bethlehem now why would the puppet herod issue a decree that all the male babies two years and under be slaughtered in the vicinity of Bethlehem why would Herod do that because Satan was pulling the strings behind that puppet saying hey we got to get rid of Jesus he's a baby let's get rid of him now well that plan failed so he's got to come up with another plan so instead of it's very interesting he's being real mean when he's a baby we got to kill the babies, kill every baby within uh, the vicinity of Bethlehem trying to get rid of Jesus. Well, that didn't work. Now he's being nice to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, how would you like to have all the kingdoms? And Jesus, uh, of course, you know, he's he's being faced with this temptation. It's a test. Uh, Look at verse 7 again. Verse 7 says, I want you to see it. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Write this test down. The test is this. Will you worship the devil or will you worship God? every time you're tempted to sin whatever that sin is it's a test are you worshiping god or are you going to worship the devil but praise god everybody say praise god look at verse eight look at verse eight jesus answered it is written to worship the lord your god and serve him only well you see what the devil was offering jesus was an easy way out he was offering jesus a kingdom without a cross and a crown without a cross would mean there'd be no forgiveness of sins a crown without a cross would mean no salvation for you he was offering jesus a shortcut to glory a shortcut to power and i want you to write this down Uh, one of the points of application here there are no shortcuts in the kingdom of god and many of you are looking for a way that you can serve god and also serve the world you can't do it there are no shortcuts in following jesus it's not easy to be a christian it requires sacrifice and it requires allegiance and it requires a commitment your heart has to be sold out to jesus christ you will be persecuted There are no shortcuts. And that's what he was offering Jesus, a shortcut to glory. But here's the real question. Write this down. Do you believe in God's promises or do you believe in Satan's promises? That's that's the real question here. If you had read the Scriptures, you would know that God had already promised kingdoms to Jesus. Go over to Luke chapter 1. I'll read it to you. Go to Luke chapter 1. Satan's promising something to Jesus. Jesus had already been given. He'd already been promised. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will what will never end so satan he's already been promised kingdom and satan comes up with a silver platter temptation number two you see what he's doing is he's forcing jesus to make a choice do you believe in the promises of god or do you believe in the promises of the devil which do you believe in and every single person in this room whenever you sin you're having to make that same choice Do you believe in the promises of God or do you believe in the promises of the devil? In regards to your marriage and all that God says about marriage, do you believe in the promises of God? Or do you believe what the devil tells you about your marriage? Do you believe in the promises of God when it comes to your finances? Or do you believe in the the promises of the devil when it comes to your finances? Do you believe what God says about sin? Or do you believe what Satan says about sin? It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. Come on, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Do you believe what God's promises have to say about how we should be living our lives and the priorities of our lives? Or do you believe what Satan says about what our priorities should be? You have a choice. Every time you sin, you're you're having to decide Do I believe what do I believe what God says about this? Or do I believe what Satan says about this? The third temptation is why don't you just jump? And see if God catches you. That's the third temptation. Jump and see if God will catch you. Let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 9, temptation number three. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This would be like you taking me up to the top of the church. The devil says, if you are the son of god you claim to be the son of god you tell people you're the son of god if you are the son of god why don't you just jump down off of this pinnacle god's going to catch you and then verse 10 is funny to me the devil actually starts quoting scripture to jesus remember how jesus defeated the first two temptations he said it is written it is written well, now it's the third temptation. Now, and this is what Satan does to all of us. He takes the scripture and he twists it around, and he goes, "No, that's not what that says. This is what it says." Oh, oh, I, I can keep doing what I'm doing then, because huh, uh, the Bible says I'm covered by grace. I can just go ahead and sin. Yeah, you, the devil will take scripture and twist it and cause you to continue to do something you shouldn't be doing. This text is talking about when Jesus uh, dies on a cross, and they take him off the cross. And they throw him in a grave, and they put a big stone over it, and it looks like it's over. It looks like Satan has won. It looks like it's over, that God is going to rescue and, and uh, save the day. That's what the text is talking about. But this Satan, he uses it. Hey, why don't you just jump off the temple here, because it says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Verse 11, They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And if Jesus jumps and God doesn't catch him, what happens to Jesus? He dies. Not on a cross for the sins of the world, but he dies being led by Satan himself into foolishness. And if he jumps, and God reaches out and and supernaturally catches him then jesus would have survived from a fall from the pinnacle of the temple supernaturally in full view of all the people he would have immediately been identified as the messiah at that moment and it wasn't god's time yet to be revealed as the messiah that wasn't god's will for jesus to be revealed at that moment and you see satan is always trying to get us to do things that go against the will of god that's the test write it down that's the test are you going to follow God's will or are you gonna follow Satan's will for your life God has a plan for every single person if you can hear hello hello if you can hear my voice God has a plan for your life I'll even tell you what the plan is God knew when you were gonna be born he knew where you were gonna be born and it's God's will for you to as you studied the Word of God and that you rely upon the Spirit of God, that you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's the will of God that you get saved and that you become a Christian, it's the will of God that you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it is the will of God that you reflect Jesus Christ to those who do not know Jesus Christ, it is the will of God that you do everything in your power to rescue those who, are, who do not know Jesus Christ and to bring them into the fold and it is the will of God that one day when you die that you'll go to heaven and you'll live with God the Father forever and ever and ever, that is the will of God for your life. And Satan will do whatever he can possibly do to keep you from following the will of God. And he will say to you, hey, come over here, let's do this crazy thing. This is, cra- this is cool. This is cool. Watch this. Let's do this. Don't go to church. You don't need to bring your Bible. No, no, don't bring your Bible. If you go, don't bring your Bible. No, you don't need that. No, you're smart enough just as you are. Yeah, because I might want to twist some things, and I don't want you to know what it says. I want you to just be real gullible. When the pastor's talking, maybe he'll say something. you won't have any way to check to make sure what he's saying is true. So don't take your Bible to church. I'm hoping that he says something that leads you astray. And, uh, hey, 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 smoke this. Drink this. Watch this. Counter, no, 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 no. Come over here. Come over here. We're going to a club. We're going to a club. We're going to Vegas this weekend. No, no, don't go to church. No. I, I know what the message is going to be. You oh no, you don't need the message that weekend. No, no, it doesn't apply. Come with me to Vegas. See, the question is: every time Satan tempts you, think about this. Every time he tempts you, he's trying to keep you from doing what God wants for you, which is to live in that will, to live in the will of God. Everybody say, Praise God. Look at verse 12. Jesus answers him. It says, "Do not put the Lord your God to a test." And I have a little box of application. I got to go through this real quick. Write this down as fast as you can write. All three of these temptations have the three things in common. Number 1, they're all an attempt to keep Jesus from fulfilling his mission on this earth. You see that? They're all attempt an attack to distract and to derail Jesus from fulfilling his mission here on this earth. The second thing all three of these things have in common is that all three were meant to hinder or to break Jesus' relationship with his heavenly Father. Satan is trying to ruin that relationship. And the third thing they have in common is that all three are overcome by trusting in the promises of scriptures. And I would argue with you that whenever, whenever you're tempted to sin, whatever you're tempted to do, that Satan is trying to do the same thing to you that he was doing to Jesus. He's trying to ruin your mission that God has for you here on this earth. And that he's also trying to break your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And the best antidote you have is the Word of God.
0: If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.